Hello and welcome back to another Backflip Happy Hour. I'm Ryan Fring, co-creative director here. You're going to hear this again in the intro, but wanted to welcome you to the podcast. This is going to be a real fun one. So this is back on November, no, not November. What is that? January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September 18th, 2020. Feels like a world away. We hang out with Brent Hoffman, talk about live event production, uh, do a live Q&A about all this. And this follows up after Carolyn's episode of taking your event digital, taking your event live from in-person to streaming. So this was fun. It was a fun hang with Brent. He's a great speaker. He talks about this stuff really, really well, uh, has a great head for digital. So this is fun. And uh, there's a little bit of special special surprise that you'll have to, if you've already read the tagline, you know what it is, but John will talk a little bit more about it. So it's pretty fun. Take a look. Here we go. Hello, friends. We are live with another happy hour, and this is going to be a unique one because it's just more of a question and answer. Um, I am one of your hosts, Ryan Fring, creative director here at Backflip. I forget what we determined, a creative director here at Backflip. Because joining me, we've also got this guy. Here we go. Let's do that. There we go. Yes. The other creative director here at Backflip. The creative director. I think that's correct. I think <laughs> we decided you are the creative director and I am A. I feel like it's it's less, but I'll take it. We'll take it for now. Um, and you have some special news to tell us, I hear. Yeah. Uh, you got a haircut. I I no I didn't. Oh, sorry, that was not the news. I do need one though. Um, we had a baby. Uh, and Human. yes, and she <laughs> came. She came a, a month early. So, um, it's it's been you know our first one was a month early, but it's been a while since that, and we weren't expecting weren't expecting that again. So, yeah, I believe yeah. you were. Up in the woods, I was wilderness camping. I was completely out of, out of. Uh, well, I actually had some signal on my phone, so I was able to get the four a.m. wake up call, uh, saying that hey, we're uh, <laughs> the baby is on the way. Um, so we got up, and I was out there with my ten year old and a friend and his ten year old for their first wilderness camping trips, um, and yeah, we packed up. Uh, in the dark and canoed out in the dark and got home as soon as we could. And uh, I did not make it in time for the actual birth, <laughs> um, but everything went smoothly and went very, very well. And yeah, mom and baby are happy or healthy. Yeah. 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 And you guys are starting to get a little bit of sleep again, maybe a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're still in that, in that very new baby phase where she's mostly sleeps all the time anyway, in between feedings and things. Um, so the seat, the sleep deprivation is really because it's been shifted to it's the other kids that I have to, uh, take care of now. So yeah, the two and a half year old and I have been getting a lot of quality time. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Uh, Maybe we can talk more about the story later, but I do want to bring in our 
guest. You're not really a guest. You're like our our other co-host. And we also have a special surprise here. So we got Brent and Rob from Paradigm joining us. How's it going, guys? <laughs> Spirit fingers. Horrible. This is this is probably the best set that we've ever had right here. Yeah. You know, what's right behind you guys. That's awesome. Try. We try. We, we had some really cool uh, wall wrap going on. I know that's super badass. I love it. Why don't you, why don't you give me the wall? I should have done my hair. So. Give me the wall freestyle. Give me the thirty seconds on that wall. Like, where did? How did that come about? It's it's so awesome. Yeah, we uh, we're looking. I mean, plain walls are always uh, not attractive for any office, and uh, one of our, our kind of uh, partner companies or a guy that we do a lot of work with, Redtail Wraps. We're like, you know what? Can you wrap a wall? And he was like, Yes, I can. So. Nice. We actually got a uh, over here. That was our first logo that we got done. Really big wall sticker wrap. And then uh, we said, let's do this whole wall. And uh, he's done a bunch of walls since. And you can do anything. Simple graphics all the way to like crazy what we do. Yeah, I love that. And you, you've seen our office before. And that was hand painted. And that took like two weeks. So now after seeing that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, can we save can, ourselves two weeks next time and do a wrap? That's amazing. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks Rob and Brent for telling us about that. It's so <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. Rob's out. Our cool. special guest is now gone. So. Yeah. So special guest, uh, well, not special guest. Our other co-host today is Brent. We've done a couple of these with you. We've talked about uh, how we're working together. You're working with us on digital and social and stuff and really helping us. Uh, move those efforts forward. And today we're talking, here we go. I got a graphic guys. Where'd it go? Oh, here we go. You need a drum roll. There it is. Yeah. So live event uh, or live production this is a live Q and a, so we're doing a live Q and a Brent's going to be the man kind of controlling the gears on this. And hopefully John and I have some useful answers that we can provide to the questions. Um, I have been monologuing, but I do want to give us a chance real quick just to say what we're drinking because this is a happy hour. Um, right now I've got this uh, Noble Wines Cabernet Sauvignon from some wonderful clients of ours, Baki Chiropractic. They're all over Madison and surrounding cities. So you should check them out. We did a website with them. And as a thank you, we got some wine and some other uh, libations. So that's that's what I've got as well as my my sparkling and my tea because you got to stay hydrated during these things. So, all right, next up, let's see. What do, we, what do you got, John? I have uh, homemade cider. Uh, homemade in the sense that we got the apples off the tree um, in the backyard we made applesauce and then we used the remnants of that and boiled that with cinnamon and cloves and made cider. And it sounds amazing. Spiced rum. And I'm drinking it in a, a bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is totally a mom's mug, but uh, it's also one of the biggest mugs that we have. So. You're like this close away from being a frontiersman, and I love it. <laughs> I'm coming to your house if if it all goes to hell. Yeah. All right. And next up, Brent, 
What do you got? Something yeah, amazing. You know, and special. I, I don't, I, I haven't drank in like 15 years, so I don't have anything totally really okay. fancy. Yeah, no like pressure. Diet Coke is my. <laughs> you could have put the water in a fancy glass. I, mean, <laughs> I could have. Just going to throw this it out This is actually there. rebottled vodka. It's, uh, <laughs> I use these simple labels to fool people. To hide it. Yeah, it's like the, the koozie that goes over your beer so you can bring it in to a theater, which I've never done. So Nobody has. Nobody's All right. Ever. So we, uh, there we go. Here's a new view. Oh boy! This is, this is a live event, live production Q and A. So, why why are we talking about this, Brent? Like, why is this stuff important? I know you've you've brought it up several times. Like, hey, you guys should do something like this. So I'm happy that we're doing it now. Yeah. First off, I want to comment on the meta part of this whole thing. Right? We're going live, talking about going live as we're live. I love it. Um, it's Friday, and I haven't slept much. So slapstick. Here we go. <laughs> um, no, live, I mean video. As you guys know, as hopefully most people know, that video is literally the most effective way you can communicate via any of your content strategy on any social platform or your website. That's what people are consuming. And going live is, as we've talked about numerous times, it's a fantastic way to uh, not overthink things. Um, that is usually the first hurdle that people challenge or are faced with is a they think about doing a video and then they want to edit it and then re-edit it and then edit it some more. And uh, the points lost, you know, what you're actually trying to communicate with people uh, just going live, it's done and you've answered questions. And now given the landscape of, of uh, the world with COVID uh, you have to take your events and your trainings and your seminars and, and annual conferences and all that stuff and go online and doing it live along with some uh, pre-recorded video is, is a fantastic way of doing it. And that leads a lot of people to first still have to deal with that first obstacle of wanting to be in front of the camera and go live. So we'll talk about some tips and tricks with that. And then what equipment, you know, Hey, can I just use my cell phone for that? So there's a series of questions that kind of lead off of that. And, and uh, you guys are the experts at doing it and I'm pretty good at asking questions. So <laughs> we are. Well, there's like a there, there's like a energy that that goes with doing it live as well, right? Because there's obviously usefulness to doing a big production and editing and things like that. But in terms of engagement and the real time interaction, I mean, there's people chatting with us right now, you know, that are saying funny things or whatever. And then there's also some um, questions that we can answer. And there's just a different kind of energy with that. People can obviously comment on a video that's been pre-produced, but that comment's probably going to sit there and wait until the next day or something when people reply to it versus like participating in a, in a discussion. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you're pointing out a very interesting thing too. <clears throat> and I'll give a shout out and then finish my thoughts. So thank you, Anthony, for tuning in. Uh, let's see if I can do this correctly. There we go. Every hour is happy hour at backflip. And we'd like <laughs> to share that. So let's share that live. <laughs> How much do you pay people for these comments? Is there oh my gosh. You love you guys. You do great. You guys dole out like checks. It's double our Google guys. ads budget at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, Luke Kramer. Love you guys. Love you too. Luke. Uh, Luke's a guy who we've done a lot of creative uh, work 
in the past as well. And then Carolyn, who was on here last week, who is also one of our biggest viewers, dare I say fans. I'm a fan of you, Carolyn. Um, the wall's amazing. It's a battle of walls. Oh, yeah. We should totally uh, do a battle like of it. walls. That would be great. I like it. Um, <laughs> and then Father Garrett waited till after 12 to drink. Most impressive. Are you impressed that we waited till after 12? Or you <laughs> waited till after 12? So. <laughs> and of course, Carolyn uh, rightly says it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, but it doesn't matter because we drink responsibly. Uh, so the point of being live, like you were saying, John, we can do stuff like that. We can interact and it's so great and it's so different. And we talked about it last week with Carolyn about all the unique things you can do, uh, and making it a special event. And the other part that we have talked about before, but definitely deserves more discussion is that idea of the cost of production or the, the speed of it, because, Right now, we're all on our own computers. I'm using a, a tool online called Restream to produce this to have, you know, this type of motion. Here we go. Ooh, you know, we can do different things, right? And it's like this stuff is going at the speed of light where at this point, every week they have huge new updates because it's so important right now. So you don't need a crazy computer to do it. Um, you could just jump on and use these tools. Now, we certainly are in the business of producing live content, design, and things like that. So, yeah, we have spent time to be able to do things like this and budget. But, you know, really, you're able to spin up tools like this. And that's one of those reasons that live is so engaging and so uh, great an option, great a tool, because anyone can do it with just their phone or a web browser. This is just Chrome. That's all it is. So that's that's my initial opening words as well. Attaboy. So like, <laughs> you got to start off on the positivity side. I like it. <laughs> it is it is a lot easier than people give it credit for, though. And a lot of it comes back to what I had said. It's it's uh, your own. I, I remember when I first started recording and and editing and. Um, then recording, you know, recording yourself. The first thing is nobody sounds the way you think you sound. <laughs> so the first obstacle is getting over that, right? You you yeah. you hear yourself one way through your your ear canal, and uh, the way you actually come out to other people is different. So when you hear yourself back again, nobody likes the way they sound. I love um, that too because we always yeah. think we always think I sound dumb when I hear a recording, and you're like. No, you don't sound dumb. You, that's how you sound to everyone. <laughs> it's just right. different. Like you're saying, resonant through your head versus, you know, vibrating the air back into your ears. So I sound dumb to everyone? Is that what you're I mean, <laughs> you would describe it like that. I would just describe that as normal. <laughs> yeah. You just sound dumb to yourself. That's all. Everybody <laughs> else loves the way you sound. It's, you know. But it's, it's that optical, right? It's that internal hurdle of, you know, I sit here and then you get caught. You kind of look at the camera like, wait, should I hold my head this way? My, what, sh what should I do to, you know, and you, you got to just go with it and be yourself. Uh, once I let down my, my boundaries of like, I have to sit this way and make sure I'm always looking right at the camera and 
read what I, you know, and you just act like yourself and, and be the way you would be if they were sitting right across the room with you, which is what they would have been doing if you weren't doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when your your guard goes down, their guard goes down. It becomes more engaging for everybody and, and more fun for everybody. Yeah. There's a really interesting, I, I don't know what order to, to go in with all these things, but there's a really interesting comment, I think, um, from Tony Wood about uh, live production and like the style. Like right now, we're obviously doing, we're kind of doing like news style, you know, right. it's like this this conversation and it's just, we're, we're all sitting at our cameras and just bouncing back and forth. And uh, he said, you've got it right there. Um, You know, that a lot of live production right now is locked into the multi-screen zoom sitting at a desk presenting. And he said he loved narrative productions using switchers a la live TV productions from the fifties, which I think sounds awesome because we've done so we've done conferences right where there's like like when we did the uh thing with the crane foundation you know we had different people but that was still kind of like news style you know like right you know oh thanks bob back to you you know whatever yeah now we're gonna play some pre-roll okay pre-roll i wonder that's I, my my brain's just spinning on it. Like, I wonder what kind of possibilities there would be because they used to do it that way in the fifties, just because they didn't have any other way to do mm-hmm. it. Um, so they would just st- stream the thing live over the air. But I wonder if you could combine the interactivity because the question would be, why, why do you need to do that live then? I guess that's the question that comes to my mind. Why would you do that live? Would there be something that you could have some sort of interactive, uh, right, right. to it? Yeah, I like the spontaneity of it, right, of what that could represent. Because when you are doing a live event, you know, somebody raises their hand and questions just go this way, and then somebody's talking over here, and I can see that being fantastic as far as having somebody there to kind of direct the camera as it's all happening, and it's not scripted to go that way. Um, I, I like that kind of freestyle event with it. That would be a little harder to set up, but fantastically effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would take take more pre-production and equipment. Um, but I mean, that's and that's something that we'll get to this as well, like the different levels of things that you can do and, you know, maybe throw out some costs there for those who are interested in that type of thing. Um, and I do, you know, I do want to kind of ruminate on that idea that Anthony put forward and John raised that question, like, what is the point of live? You know, so we have SNL, right? Which is like a live improv show with pre-recorded things. And that, you know, what works in that is that improv is often best when live because ridiculous things happen and that's just what happens. And there's something that is just so unique to improv that we get. And I, I believe that's why they do SNL like that. Big bang theory, you know, a big popular, I, I don't know if that show finally finished, um, but filmed in front of a studio audience, you get a little bit of that, but it's still pre-edited and pre-produced. So it's not live, but I wonder if there's a way to do storytelling 
And if anybody knows of any examples, yeah, yeah. So Anthony says, here we go. Maybe the audience pick alternative narratives in the script. In high school, my school did um, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, which is an amazing musical. And towards the end, three quarters of the way through, the audience votes on who the murderer is, who the lover is, and maybe one more thing. Because I feel like there's nine different endings that they can do. Um, and that made it so great because every weekend it was different. Every show was different. And there was a, there was a purpose to the liveness of it, uh, aside from kind of that improv SNL uh, that, I, that I described earlier. But I wonder if that could be something that they can do. You know, you prepare two different scripts and a scene, something could happen differently and people have to vote five minutes beforehand and the performers have to adjust live on the air. And that could be really fun. And before I finish this monologue, there was a game that tried to do this on sci-fi. Um, I can't remember. Maybe I can look it up. But they would air something on like Tuesday night. And while that was happening, I believe things were happening in game. And then things that you did that week in the game could change the show. And... I didn't like the game at all, but I loved the concept. And so I wonder if like Anthony's bringing up, if, if that's a cool thing that something could, somebody could try, um, you know, if we can get somebody to pitch it to and get that interactive, it's kind of like Bandersnatch on Netflix, choose your own adventure, Netflix, which is unique and engaging. Yeah. It occurs to me that, that part of, I guess part of what's good about a live thing is that it encourages you that at that time um, and potentially like watch, you know, that there would be value in each of the times that this is kind of the idea of the the, um, storytelling like that Mm -hmm. where you might have your favorite movie and you might go back and watch it again because you enjoy it, but you could see a play or a musical over and over because the performance would be slightly different, you know, like it would, because it's live. Uh, so there's, there is, yeah, something different there that's engaging in a different way. I agree. That was actually when Hamilton came out which I actually love, but now I, it could leave my life for my kids repeat the soundtrack over and over again. And it's just like, mm. but the comments, you know, when it came out was, Oh, I, yeah, I remember this part, but it was a little bit different when I saw it live, you know, so they recorded one time of it live and that's what everybody gets to see over and over again. But if you actually went to, you know, Broadway or whatever and saw it, it would have been just a little bit different every time. And piggybacking off what you said, Ryan, I think the funniest part about like Saturday Night Live is you can tell when they're live and somebody says something and they're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't come back and take that out. You know, it's live and they're trying to prevent themselves from laughing to keep the skit going. So it, mm-hmm. those to me are some of the funniest parts and, and you can't, you can't really capture that when you've recorded it and you try to edit certain parts out, but keep some of that in and it loses some of its, uh, 
it's shine. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm on the verge of a, a deep dive into a, into a very deep cavern of uh, philosophical storytelling <laughs> ideas here, but the, like we record everything and we've been recording everything and even this is being recorded and there's something kind of lost in recording something and then going back and just watching it. Whereas when you wanted to know a story or, or even the news or the late up latest update or whatever, you had to go to somebody who was performing and giving you that information or giving you that entertainment, that story live and tailoring it to the moment that you're in like what's going on in the world how are you reacting as the audience um just all of those things and so it could always be tailored and in some ways it could always be elevated you know and, and given like the the best for that moment versus you know a movie that you have on on uh blu-ray or dvd or whatever is just it is what it is and they're really great but it's not like it's going to be like delivered to you for what's going on right now right there is something the timeliness of live you know you can literally we can record we could have recorded this video three or four days ago right but there's questions that are going to be asked today and and questions that are maybe only relevant from today moving forward so yeah i mean you're, you're getting literally real-time information so i love that point instead of something that may be three days or three weeks or whenever you recorded it last information yeah i like it and and just the speed of it because we used to do something like this show oops and we'd set up the studio it would take luke like four hours and Eventually, I'd still love to get back to in-studio producing, but that just has like such a different, for the producer, just has such such a different level of uh, tech, technological or, you know, requirement, um, setup requirement to them that, that this does not. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I like live too. I'm also reading chat here. That's why I trailed off. So, Anthony Wood also says, you know, it'd be neat to do kind of finishing this and we can go on to a new question. Um, folks in quarantine to see mole camera live performances to fill the need for live theater. Um, and I totally agree. Now the one question that I have slash the weird thing is like the Hamilton live production. Um, I, I don't know this, but my sense is that they filmed one or uh, multiple days and put those together. But then they also had like, they had a camera on stage which I'm guessing they did just a whole separate recorded camera for onstage stuff. And right. the nice thing about that, like I love theater, but I also don't have the best hearing. Neither does most of my family. Um, and what was that? <laughs> huh? <laughs> I, I used to work with a guy who would always be like, what, what? Cause apparently I say that, um, <laughs> which you think about it. It's not very nice. Cause I'm hard of hearing a little. Uh, but when you're at the, the theater, it can sometimes be hard depending on where you're sitting to hear, to see, but live production is so great. And I, we've watched four different live musicals 
that we wouldn't have been able to see because they're on Broadway or in shows over the quarantine. And it's been amazing. So I love it. Um, and yeah, I don't know who I have to talk to or what vote counts, but I would love to see some live performances of content. And Carolyn says, I say, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Carolyn should be like a permanent fixture on the show, just sharing like all the behind the scenes yeah. things she knows about you guys and you know, letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> she basically is. There's there's something that is challenging to get to even when you are live um, over video versus being in person. It, and it's it's the limitation of like cameras and what cameras can do um, because just watching a wide camera of a stage is not uh, interesting over video. But when you go to a, a live production, live play or, or musical, you're sitting somewhere probably way back, you know, and everyone, you know, shows up as this tiny little person way up on the stage, but our eyes and senses are better tuned into like, we can see all the, everything going on and we can catch all the expressions and all of that stuff. But if you just threw that as a camera, you're not getting it. And so then when you deliver it to people over video, you need to, add the multi-cam and add all these angles and give you the close-ups and stuff. So then you've kind of changed it a little bit. I mean, it's its own thing. Like mm -hmm. there still is, it's not like, I think we're finding in all of this that it's not like you can just replace being in person with right. a live stream. That'd be pretty sad if, you know, that's what we were having to do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. It is there is always going to be something missing um, doing it. Uh, there are some uh, situations, events, that kind of stuff where this is working out perfect because maybe it wasn't much of a difference. Um, but for yeah, for the most things, you're not getting the emotion of the moment. You're not getting the the other sounds that may be off to the side that the camera's not focused on that you can turn your head and look at. You know, as in a live environment. Like your so, neighbor yeah, being drunk or something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Somebody knocking over like their soda from behind you and your shoes sticking to the floor. Yeah, like, just like, happens when you're what's happening? Who's that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Which is like any movie with my wife or my kids. They're like, <laughs> hey, what did I miss? Like, well, you fell asleep again. So yeah. I, I can't catch you up. But my no, favorite it, is, is the kids in the beginning of a movie. What's that? What's happening? Who's that? You know, <laughs> right. like, I, 30 seconds in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me see. The director called me and he went over the whole script. So yeah. what, what he's actually doing is foreshadowing what's going to happen. Yeah, you're like, let's pause it so I can tell you everything. Right. Right. So I want to just uh, kind of steer the, the conversation back a little bit because I think there's some yes. preliminary things because we have some fantastic questions um, from people coming in and ones that were submitted to us before. But let's talk. We I briefly mentioned the you have to kind of get out of your own head before you go live and, and realize you don't look and sound the way you think you look and sound. But on a very basics of technology, Ryan, you started to talk about it. You can do it on your phone. You can just use a, a regular computer with Chrome. You don't need some supercomputer to do it. 
Um, what else from a, a technology standpoint, if you will, or just getting prepared? I mean, obviously, you want to try to pick a setting that's right. Make sure your lighting's okay. But in general, can you just kind of give us some uh, maybe tips and tricks on, on how to set your stage, if you will, and, and what you may need to do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe the basic two elements you need are a decent computer and an internet connection. And most of us these days have that. So that's basically the barrier to entry. And I'm doing this on uh, my MacBook, which is probably a little beefier than most people. But you can do this on a, on a MacBook Air because this is through a browser. So you don't need anything too fancy. Um, internet connection. Again, we're all doing Zoom from lots of different types of internet connections. And it's working for the most part. And with systems like this, like Restream, this is just my video going to the internet and then your videos going there too. So I don't even have to stream you guys here and mix you and then send a whole video signal back out. This is being done in the cloud. So those are the two basic elements that you need. We're all doing it to some degree, but I think just a, it's a reminder that you can be confident because... That's, that's the basics. That's, those are the two things you need. Now, you also point out production value, and that's maybe where you can separate yourself from the rest of the crowd. And here, I don't have much production value. It's actually something I ordered some prints and stuff, and I'm going to be decorating, and I'm going to change my lighting a little bit as well because production value then just kind of mentally brings you to that next level. Um, and, you know... That's something to consider whether you're at home or in the office. And it's as easy as throwing up another light somewhere, adding a little artwork in the background, closing your window. In this case, I like having my window open because I get this nice edge on me, which is kind of fun. And then I have my key up here, which is doing some nice lighting. And so even though I am updating my background, so it's really nice, you know, it's not going to look as cool as yours, but I'll get some <laughs> cool art back here. Um, that that production value is maybe the next step to consider once you've thought about those, those basics. Right. It can be as simple as add a plant, put something with, with some color next to you, that kind of stuff, you know, it doesn't have to be, now that this is overly elaborate. I mean, we, we made it look, you know, with a lot of design stuff in it, but it's not a hard thing for anybody to add to their house or office. But just something to add some color, some personality, mm-hmm. something that can be part of your story. Just you know? like the ukuleles. Exactly. <laughs> I also, I forgot to up my production value. I have this big sheet of white paper that, because I have a window over there, um, but it makes a really like really bright, hard key. Mm-hmm. And I have really not great lights in here. I should probably change them to like color balance them or with the window if it's during the day. But then, a sheet of paper on this side because I have a, a dark uh, shelf right here that's, you know, that gets a little bit more advanced, but it's not that advanced. I mean, I, I think the thing is just like when you're getting ready, look at yourself on the video and be like, oh, see, like you can even see where my hand gets in the way. And it's like, okay, there's too much like shadow on the one side or whatever, if you want to mm-hmm. like, because you could get, we know a ton about video because we run a video production company, but you can 
just look and, you know, make sure that you can see yourself as part of it. Like make sure that the, there's enough light on your face. And sometimes if there's too much light behind you, that can be a challenge or Ryan's got his figured out in a way that, you know, he's getting enough from that coming around. So the, yeah, the- I, I love those points and it literally to, to piggyback off that it's just test, you know, record yourself, change the lighting a little bit. There's no, uh, yeah, there are people like, you know, John and Ryan that are professionals at doing it and they can walk into a room and within, you know, 10 seconds be like, Oh, we need to change this. We need to add this, have the light come from here. And that's their, that's their, their wizardry. Right. But that you can do that yourself. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you a little more time, but it's just testing. It's just mm-hmm. trying out different things, put a light somewhere where you wouldn't think you would need a light and see what happens. Mm-hmm. We are wizards. Uh, yeah. Well, and here's, here's kind of a technology example. Let's see if this works. So, uh, everybody hold up your blue Yetis. Hello. Yes. So we all have these microphones. These are just microphones you can get at Target or Best Buy, but they, you know, 100% better than your computer microphone, if not a lot more, but they're not super expensive. I think they have a under $100 model and maybe like a $150 model. Um, so this is, this is one microphone and you can kind of hear what this does. Now, let me change this to... MacBook Pro. Let's see. There we go. Okay. So that's my built-in mic. You guys can hear the difference. I'm not monitoring, so I can't hear the difference. That's probably going to be a little bit more compressed, less bassy. There might be some more just kind of echo, but it's probably not terrible. Right. You know? To that point, it's not. I mean, you could get away without having to buy an external mic, but to warm up your voice and everything... Mm -hmm. And you can start to sound like Barry Manilow if you do it right. <laughs> you can do some yeah. more things with a mic. Well, a mic upgrade. Uh, that's- yeah. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, and uh, I know these are points that you wanted to cover anyway, Brent, but it, we are kind of addressing. Um, my, my mom was on the feed asking about uh, stuff with school. That's what she's always asking me about because... And I think everybody's dealing with it. So like we're doing this as a, as a production, you know, we're trying to put titles on the screen and make it look really cool and switch between camera angles. Everybody to some extent is having to deal with this just because basic meetings are having to happen over video. And just because we're doing like something that's a little more creative doesn't mean that it's the only time that you should do it. Like, if you're having a lot of Zoom meetings or maybe you're like teaching a class or whatever, you can still think about these things. They're still going to be useful. Add some light, a, you know, a separate uh, microphone. She mentioned people having a hard time hearing. It's like might be that microphone. That's one of the things they always taught us in like film school. You know, the, we have these benefits of these little, these little uh, pieces of wisdom that were given to us by teachers is like, do not ignore your audio. They mm-hmm. always would say that. Like you could have not great lighting, not great lenses, you know, pixelated video or whatever. You need to pay attention to your audio because if you have no audio, you have nothing. You just have me. And if my audio was gone, <laughs> huh? What? Huh? 
So, <laughs> yeah, well, and it, that's the type of thing too that happens. Like, and I've gone live and that's happened to me where somebody's like, Hey, we can't hear so-and-so because I've used a very complicated system, which works when it's working. But when it's not like first thing is cutting in and out first, it's then it's even worse if your audio is cutting in and out than if it was just a little lower quality. So that's something to think about. Yeah, agree. And and to relate that to you know conferences um, where you may have other speakers coming in. I know you guys talked about it with Carolyn the other uh, last week on your happy hour, but I think it's definitely worth bringing up again. You know, she had mentioned you guys send out like packages to people. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe it has a microphone. Maybe it just has instructions on how to set up your computer. Um, you know, going over some of the basics with people, um, even if you know, or even if you think, you know, it's always nice to have the reassurance of like, okay, I've got my instructions. I can get this done. And, um, it, it, to me, everything with, with live video, it really comes down to confidence. And if you can mm -hmm. come across the screen as confident, uh, then your competence and everything else will follow right along with it. But if you're kind of always like, ah, wait a minute, I think I push, no, I need to yeah. this on. You know what I mean? Then no matter what you're going to say after that, people are like, are we sure he knows what he's talking about? Yeah. Well, it's like that idea of, of, you know, um, have an attitude like you own the place or I, I believe John did this in many illegal uh, cases uh, where he hasn't been charged, but you just walk in some, you walk up to the roof of a building, like you own the place or like you should be there and no one questions you. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. And <laughs> I can either confirm nor deny. Allegedly. But yeah, I mean like awkward stuff happens in live things and it's how you handle it. And maybe, so we, we talked about like two basics, like you need a computer and, an internet connection. And then in order to improve, you can improve your audio, you can improve your uh, lighting, your, your set to just make it look nicer. But maybe even before that, maybe before those things, like work on your improv, work on that idea of yes, and walking into a place like you own it, because it's happened here where audio doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, this is great. You, you think I should know this type of thing because I do this professionally, but things happen, you know, and saying it like that versus like, oh, uh, um, uh, hang on, guys. Uh, sorry, this this isn't working. It never works. I don't know why we're doing this, you know, <laughs> like and there's different ways to handle it. Yeah. And you had brought up. John, I think you said, was it your mom who's a teacher that she was yeah. asking the question regarding, you know, what teachers uh, advice that? Um, yeah. I mean, that, guess what, teachers uh, and anybody who goes online, that you have things like that happen all the time in your classroom. Uh, so if it happens when you're going live, own it. You know, everybody sneaks a little, like, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, clears their throat or a little burp or whatever happens to come up own it and roll with it. And um, the one thing I saw a teacher doing with my kids was fantastic is she would take little breaks and just like tell a joke, do something fun to kind of re-engage the students and, and make sure everybody's paying attention and get them to giggle, to refocus their attention on the screen. Um, I'm definitely open to any suggestions you guys may have on teachers. Cause I know that's like the biggest everyday 
mm-hmm. live event going on right now uh, across the country. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point as well, like, remember, like we are live, but this isn't, it is stylistically like the news, but it isn't because it's just a personal kind of chat that we're having. And I think that's the difference in this. And even though we have the production value that's similar to the news or sports, like it's going to be awkward. Things are going to happen. We're going to roll with it. We want to try to engage in a different way. We're not reading off a teleprompter. We're going off the top of our heads. So we'll get off topic. We might even need a break. And it might, you know, I know streamers do this on Twitch with games. Just like, hey, be right back. This is happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're going to lose people when you go to a break. But it's better that than awkwardly sitting there for the next 30 minutes because you have to pee so bad because you drank so much during your happy hour. You know, <laughs> well, and there, when you've got the camera rolling, if you're doing a program, you know, for a certain period of time, you should keep things going and moving and good pace. But in the instance of like teaching, if you've got to like teach all day, man, it just sounds so complicated. But if you've got to teach all day, realize like, well, what do you do in a normal day? You know, there are moments of like, okay, go ahead and work on that worksheet, you know, for a few minutes. uh, And then we'll, once you've gone through questions one through five, we'll address them. So then there's 10 minutes, 20 minutes of like not presenting and not talking, Mm -hmm. which when you're, when you've got the camera rolling and you're running uh, a presentation, it feels like you need to keep going. We do in this kind of like dynamic, right? But I wonder with teaching if it would just be like pretend that there's a class sitting there, and like okay, go ahead and work on that for a little bit. Now yeah, taking, I I don't know. It's well, and I it's I think it's different, and this is just the world we live in. It's different in different areas. It's different in different schools because I don't believe our, our children are now back in person. Um, but before when they weren't, I don't think they were just casting for seven hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't at home and the kids were at a daycare uh, getting their instruction, <laughs> which also happened to be their school. Um, but they were getting instruction through Zoom, you know, with the teacher uh, on Zoom. And I believe it was a, a short amount of time and instruction. And then they go do something. So it wasn't like they were streaming for seven hours. They would do very small uh, streams for each subject and then the kids would go and work. Um, but it might be different elsewhere. And I think there's different solutions for the different situations, but kind of like you're saying, just figuring it out. What do you normally do? What would that be like? And just like, you know, maybe SNL or improv teaches us be okay. That things could go wrong. Like that happened to everyone in March when we like school shut down and everyone went remote, like <laughs> I remember how frustrating it was. Like the kids were all zooming and they're like, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And the teacher's like, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and we're like, we're texting them like, Hey, audio is not working. And, um, you know, all those challenges that we've all experienced. Yeah. And as a student, I mean, I'm sure we have a lot of, you know, 
six through 10 year olds watching this right now. So yeah, for them. Um, but as parents of kids on there, understand that this is an all new teachers. I have to think by and large, didn't go to school for video production or how do I stream myself the best to my 30, 50, however many students you have. Um, so give up, give everybody a break and understand it's an opportunity for all of us and everybody to be exposed to new technology and what's working and what hasn't. And I guarantee you, as the year continues to go on, teachers are going to come up with fun and creative. They always do. I mean, I don't know. Well, I do remember one teacher that never had a creative phone, but for the most part, most teachers have the ability to kind of a, adapt and adjust on the fly and, and uh, they'll come up with fun new ways as they get more comfortable seeing and hearing themselves and using the technology. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, it's great. Not that anybody wants this to continue on forever, but it is going to be excited. And I want to kind of take this and transition into one of the other questions about technology and how the platforms continue to change in advance. Um, but also the things like 5G coming down the road uh, that kind of stuff. As it rolls out, this is going to become easier and easier, and the quality is just going to become better and better without you having to do anything. You know, your your iPhone or your Android with five G is going to stream at like near four K quality. And yeah. uh, there's a really good point there. And I don't know if you were reading my mind or whatever, but that's mm-hmm. I was going to share that about internet speed. So you know, Ryan mentioned internet connection and it's more than just a connection you know you need to have a speed of a particular uh level at least dial up (laughs) (laughs) at least dial up uh not much is going to happen with dial up um so i i don't remember what those levels are but one of the things maybe to remember so when all this started Back in like April, I called TDS and I had them upgrade my home internet. Um, I'm on DSL out here, so I get over the phone line, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's faster than dial up. Um, So I had them upgrade because I knew that I wouldn't be able to do a lot of video meetings and things like that uh, without a better internet connection. But the other thing with regards to like 5G or even 4G or LTE would be to remember that sometimes your fastest connection is not just your download. uh, It's very specific to your upload or or very importantly, your upload speed when you're doing this kind of stuff, because I'm sending all the data up to the cloud um, to, to stream video and what I had done prior to having a better internet connection is sometimes when I needed to stream video or even if I needed to like upload some files is I would switch over to tethering on my phone as weird as that mm-hmm. sounds. But my phone upload speed was faster than my home internet. And obviously you're going to have data issues, you know, depending on your plan and things like that. But you know, that's what you need is you need a, uh, fast enough upload speed to get video to the internet. Good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yep. I just want to inject, interject here too. If you guys have more questions, whether related to specifically what we're talking about now or just taking your event online, uh, put them down below. Down there. 
All right, we're going to move on to the next one. This was actually submitted before we started. Um, this is from The Real Script, Rachel W., who was on, I think, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you keep them, as in the audience, coming back for more, tuning in for repeated events live online? Right now I'm typing that in so it can be a question. So, John, you start. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just try to be uh, awesome in everything that I do. And, you know, I just trust in my awesomeness and ability to entertain. Uh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I don't know that this answer is going to be encouraging um, because it's it's the same answer that we give for, you know, how do we engage? How do, how do we effectively communicate a message? Um, there are some different philosophies with streaming that add to the uh, likelihood that somebody's going to come back. But by and large, you have to create content that somebody wants. Yeah. You know, people have to want it. Uh, and that's maybe number one most important I think number two is just engaging the community. Uh, most of these will be for any type of social or creative content that you do. If you want it to be popular, um, you know, it has to be relevant. People have to want, want it and you have to engage the community with it. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do specifically with this Q and a, and this is fun because last week we had, you know, between 15 and 20 was our peak, which is pretty big for uh, this channel. But then we got, you know, 400 views after the fact, which is very common. Then this one has been constantly between 5 and 10, which is great. So this is obviously some relevant content uh, on our social networks. Um, what did I say number two was? I didn't write any of these down. I'm just going to top my head. Number one is you got to have content people want. <clears throat> number two is engage. So actually asking questions and answering. Then people feel really engaged. Um, and I think number three, the big thing with live is a regular schedule. So this is true. If, if you look up like how to succeed at Twitch streaming, how to, how to be a YouTube streamer, how to be a Facebook live streamer, that's going to be one of the, you know, if it's not the first, that's one of the top five things is have a schedule so that people can expect when it's going to happen and know where to come. Um, and beyond that, it's all the normal things. And I want to just touch base on your point one again, because that is relevant, whether you're going online or doing live anyway. I mean, if you're putting any content out and your first thought is, what do I want to say? You're already, you've started out wrong. It's what do customers or what does my audience want to know or hear from me? Always be focused on what they want and what they want to hear and how they want to hear it not what you want to say. Cause we'd all love to just get up here and be like, here are the seven things that make us great. Okay. Now bye. That's it. You know, it, it's yeah. how relate and engage with them. And like you said, ask questions, get people involved, let them be a part of the story. Let them be a part of the journey and not just a, a bystander who has to watch everything go by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did it. Awesome. anything else you want to add john well i you know i've been to some it makes me think of networking events like work networking events and i've been to some that are really awesome and i've been to some that are really bad 
And the really bad ones feel like you go and everybody's just trying to sell you right. what what they do. You know, like, you're like, oh, so you don't care about me at all. You just want to get a business card in my hands and have me hire you for something. Right. The ones that are awesome, we don't talk about that at all. We talk about, you know, some other topic, something that we're working on in our industry, some skill or whatever. And then maybe through some of those relationships, sales opportunities show up, but they're not, they can't be that. And I think everyone who's got a business or an organization feels like that's what they need to do with this because it's like, oh, it's like a piece of marketing. It's, it's like a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't, because nobody wants to sit and just watch a sales pitch. Like we begrudgingly accept them coming in to give us the, the vacuum cleaner sales pitch because we want the free grill yeah, cleaning, um, which may or may not have happened here one time. But, uh, <laughs> Did you buy the vacuum? No, I got the free oh, nice. grill That's all I want. <laughs> um, you know, so we just don't, and especially when you're seeking something out, I mean, a lot of advertising, this can go off on a big tangent. I'll keep it short. A lot of advertising, you know, commercial advertising is like interrupting. It's It interrupts what you're trying to watch, gets in your way, makes you watch it, complete you know, watching the thing and so that you can watch what you were trying to watch this kind of thing. You're not going to interrupt somebody for however long, an hour, you know, and be like, stay with me. Yeah. Stay with me here. I'm not done talking about my sales pitch. Um, Got to provide value. Well, that's that idea. That's that idea. And again, this is not revolutionary stuff but it it is helpful to repeat it and remind ourselves like no one will care what you know, unless they know that you care. Like that's, that's the oldest. We need a graphic. The more, you know, with the, like the, yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. LeVar Burton, everyone. And Um, you know, engaging, asking what you'd said before about asking questions, just like right now, very simple for us to say, Hey guys, if you're getting some value out of what you're listening to right now, Please leave a comment, like the video, and better yet, share it with an mm-hmm. audience or a friend or a business that you know that can benefit from this. And that's it. You're, that that was like the whole CTA right there, right? The call to action. I'm yeah. not like hard selling you. Like, make sure you leave your email address so we can follow up with you, and then really ram home our our sales pitch. No, it's if you if you're getting value from this free content that we're putting together. Like, comment, and, and uh, share it with somebody else who you think would get benefit from it. And that's it. Well, and maybe that's that's the difference between conventional sales and modern social media and, and you know strategic marketing or, or digital marketing is that there's this idea of being a thought leader or content creator. We say content is king and just putting good stuff out there. And it's hard because the question is like, well, what's my ROI on that one article? What's my ROI on this live thing? And it's different than a specific commercial where you can say, well, we got these five jobs. So that commercial has an ROI of this. And you're like, well, we created content and people engaged. 
And with video, you know, that can be like a year, year long prospect. Somebody's not going to say, Oh, I need to do this. I'm ready to spend 50 grand. It's often like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to figure out who's doing it in this space, who's doing it well, where I can go to get help. And so having a myriad, myriad of content like this, along with the rest of your strategy, just gets you into that space where when somebody thinks about their need, they know that backflip or paradigm has spoken about this and they've done good work on this. And so I'm going to give them a call, you know, because we're not calling them saying, what can I do for you for video? You need some video. You need this and you need that. Um, You're just creating a positive sentiment in their mind that they'll remember as projects may come up down the road. Right. It's it's kind of like dating, like you're you're playing hard to get, you know, you, you don't want to be hard to get, you want to be right there when they're ready for you, but you're just putting content out there that's relevant and important. Does that mean we're paying for dinner right now with, with the free content? Is that kind of like us paying for dinner? Yeah, mean, no, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I expect that to arrive soon, so. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great point, though, in, in uh, making sure you, you just always have your customers um, best interest in mind, um, your audience. It, it, you have people. So in general with social media and all of this, all of your video content going live usually ends up going out through some kind of social channel. Um, there are a number of people who will like and comment and share and that kind of stuff. And then there's the, the lurkers, which is really an affectionate term that not to sound bad or creepy, but it's the people who never will like and, and comment or share. Um, but you are influencing, you know, they're the kind of behind the curtain and you are still influencing how they're engaging or their willingness to share with you, share your content with others. And, uh, you can't, you can't just look at the numbers as like, Oh, okay, here we had 36 live viewers and a thousand people watched it later. True. But there's still so many other things that are happening with that content that, it probably is half or maybe three quarters to half of the numbers of the people that actually did see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a long game. The other thing to add to it is that this video being used in, in a marketing purpose um, or in shared information like this, um, it's never going to end. It, it, I love, we get, and I'm sure you guys get it a lot too. People who are like, Hey, we just have this campaign we're going to run. And then it's like, they want to shut marketing off. And then start mm-hmm. marketing again and then shut it off. Well, the marketing should always be something you're doing and it will never stop. Uh, and people are always kind of like, oh, you're just trying to sell me more. Uh, no, uh, your customers are not always going to be the same customers. Your audience is constantly changing. Um, and, and why I'm bringing this up and relating it to live video is know who's tuning in, especially if you have a, an annual conference or something where you, you do kind of control, you, you know already who's going to be watching your video based on registration, figure out what they're into. Spend a little bit of time digging into your audience and what other interests they may have and that kind of stuff. So you can bring those types of examples into your live video um, instead of just your own canned, here's what I want to say. It doesn't really matter who's in the audience. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Next Let's question. Let's go on to the next question that we have here. And this is from MKE Production Rental. Uh, what software or softwares do you use and what 
are the most popular times for events? Uh, and how do you prevent echoes and feedback? So we got like three questions in one. Uh, let's start with the software. You mentioned Restream, and then there's the mm-hmm. obvious like Zoom and Microsoft Teams and stuff. But is any one in your experience better than the other, or this one's better for this type of event, and this one's better for that type of event? Yes. Um, and that's so MKE Production Rental. That's the production house uh, of John uh, Klein. That's his last name. I remembered. John Klein, who was on here several weeks ago. He's a DP in the Chicagoland area. So thank you for that comment. Um, so what softwares do we use? I can talk <clears throat> specifically about what we're using and what we've used because I try out like everything that comes down the pipeline. And it's been fun because over the last six months, everything has changed drastically. So right now, we're actually using Restream Live Studio, which is great and not that expensive. I think we're on the $49 a month plan. And Restream, I started using them because they multi-stream. So I can go to, you know, I don't know, 50 different locations that they have. So I can, this is streaming to Facebook. This is streaming to YouTube. Um, I could go over RTMP to Instagram. They have LinkedIn. And then they have a ton of other services that you may or may not have heard of. Um, Twitch, you've heard of. So they have all those services. So initially, it was a multi-streamer. Aw. And we got Felix joining us today. Hey. Hi, Felix. This is the guy that I get to hang out with a lot. Who needs the attention or needs the... Not the attention per se, but uh, just the little kid who can't do anything by themselves. Yep. <laughs> Give us a wave. Give us a wave. Kid waves are always the best. There we go. Let's see. Can you say, can you say June? Do you have a little baby now? Can you say? Up. Uh, Up. I think that's like a lazy yep. I, I oh, was talking, yeah, nice. I was saying before I was on a meeting and he came and joined me down here and I was like, I think it's got to be weird for little kids now because I, I'm not sure if he always knows whether he's watching a show or whether this is like somebody. <laughs> There's but, something philosophical there. Yeah. It's like, and then the shows that ask you questions and you answer back, but then they don't respond. You're like, what's going on? I can't, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, this isn't a zoom. This is just uh, Dora on Netflix. And yes, Carolyn, you are correct. Babies do add production value. If you can always have babies and puppies on every one of your live streams uh, and maybe kitties, you can just kind of sit back and let them do the work. You don't even have to talk. Well, and that's an example of, of making it work, you know, and rolling with it, right? So this is the world we live in. And like, typically, if I'm at home, there's either stomping from upstairs or like a creepy kid creeping into the background and I don't notice them until like, I feel their breath on me. Uh, and, and you can do different things. You can invite them in and sit down and, you know, play with it. Or you can try to drag them out of the room, you know, like uh, that early newscast where there was that person and the, the wife like came in and like dragged their kid out. Like super yeah. awkward. Right. Yeah, keep in mind, people are still watching you. So uh, if you want your parenting questioned, uh, (laughs) go ahead and just give your kid a, like, time to go. Um, Watch everybody untuned. 
So yeah, technology. Um, we're on Restream now. They have a just a super robust live studio, and it's great. Like I can spotlight someone. This is a newer feature. Um, I can expand someone, and so we hide people. We can show us. Um, kick people off and you guys just joined from your browsers too. So this, this is a great tool Very to simple. use as an example of something anybody can do. Um, now, do you think this is better for educators or better for if you're doing a conference or better if you're going to have three guests or less, or is there anything like that that you kind of put some constraints on? Yeah, that's a good question. I think this is perfect for, most people out there who aren't super tech savvy or have some tech skills, but maybe they don't have the computer or the time to do something like OBS, Open Broadcasting System, uh, or Livestream Studio, which is very expensive. Um, OBS is free. That's what I typically use. That's what I use when I, I stream uh, some games, mostly because I play games and I'm like, I don't know. It's fun to play games with people. And if no one's playing with me, I want somebody to jump in and chat. So um, I'll use OBS for that. I use OBS for this show and it can get kind of complicated and I mess stuff up. So that's that's the trade-off. Like tools like Restream or Stream, Ele not Stream Elements, um, StreamYard do this type of thing really well and kind of idiot-proof a lot of it. But you don't get additional functionality like i can't have custom overlays right now because if i'm uh streaming a game i'll have an overlay and people can chat and chat pops up these tools have some of that but don't have other things so when you want to get real fancy you're going to use obs or live stream or if it's a big conference and it's like the keynote or something else you're going to use one of those uh tools that are specifically created for the job, but these are getting so advanced, like Restream, StreamYard, they're getting so advanced. And I've been chatting them up the whole time we've been on this, like, hey, this would be a great feature. This would be a great feature. And I have, you know, complete confidence that we'll see some of that stuff over the following weeks and months because it's it's ubiquitous with streaming. So yeah, these are these are great tools for most people, you know, and, and can take care of most situations. So we all we all know of what comes in uh, on Zoom. They have that virtual background you can use, right? And it, <laughs> in in perfect situations, it can look okay, but for the most part, it's never very good. What do you think about the use of? Uh, are there live um, and I'm forgetting chroma key things in any of these that you can use like a green screen uh, for? Is there or any benefit in doing that? If you are maybe forced and I just have a plain wall and I don't mm -hmm. really Well, I, I was going to jump in and say that one of the pieces that if you're not in production that you might not know, like how it all works, like these are all in one tools we're talking about, but the way that this is usually done and the way we've done it for streaming conferences and things like that, I mean, it, everyone's seen it, you know, we've seen all the cameras around like in some conference or concert or whatever is we're bringing all that stuff into a switcher choosing which video screen to show at what time and then sending that out in a main feed and then we usually have a little device that 
converts that signal, compresses it, and then streams it to a location online somewhere. These tools are doing all of that all in one. And the tool that we use, you know, there is a chroma key feature. Mm-hmm. So we could like shoot somebody against a green screen and have a background fill um, behind them and then compile all that and send it. Um, in terms of like other people doing it just on their own, I'm not aware. And maybe Ryan knows if like one of these all in one solutions does it. Yeah. Um, so also John's talking about kind of the, the high end and that really works when we're producing uh, event content, conference content, where there's multiple shots, multiple people, uh, we're streaming to a huge audience and we have a lot of equipment to do that. And basically we can do almost anything with that, that setup. Um, with what we have here, there's, um, basic functionality that you have on your, your computer. And so like Zoom has that. You can tell Zoom, I believe, that you have a chroma key behind you and it will use chroma key as opposed to motion sensing because I think it uses motion and like is just kind of smart and can find a person. And that that does fine. But you could go total chroma key and just get, you know, a sheet from um, the store or... You can get actual chroma key drop downs from Amazon. They might be like a hundred bucks or something. And um, that will key out really, really well in those tools. Zoom. There's no chroma key in Restream yet, but this is a very new tool. Uh, I don't know about StreamYard either, but I assume that things like that will come in because there's a huge, it's multi-billion dollar uh game streaming market. It's a huge market to tap into. So if they can provide the functionality that you need to stream and all you need is a computer to play a game, groups like Restream and StreamYard are going to add that functionality in. So um, those are are those things that can improve your look. I I was just bringing it up because you're right. You know, those are the high-end production examples. But I think anything like that, it's helpful to understand what you're doing. You know, you have a simplistic all-in-one tool, but it's helpful to understand, like, what are the pieces that are all going into that? You know, like, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Otherwise, you don't know what any of these tools are. Like, you can get great video with your cell phone. The moment that you try to do something a little more advanced still with your cell phone, it's helpful to know the top end video production techniques because why is it that one person's cell phone video looks better than another person's cell phone video? It's because I know that I'm trying to control the shutter speed, even though it's sort of automated. And I'm, so I'm trying to like force it into certain things. Maybe I'm using a different app. That's not like the default camera app, or maybe I'm like, trying to like find the right lighting situation so that I can, I'm guessing that the automated functionality is shoving the shutter speed into a zone that I want. That, that example is helpful here for, you know, like what are you even trying to do with this thing? Um, 
and why do you need to switch video? Well, it's because on a Zoom call, when a bunch of people are on the call, if somebody's got a bunch of background noise happening that they don't know is there, their video is just full screen the whole time. You know, because they're sitting there and somebody else is doing the main talking, but on video, they've got all this like, all this like background yelling. Zoom is automatically trying to say, well, who should be up right now? But when you're doing something, when you're trying to present something, you, we, we're making those decisions. You know, you want to be able to say, um, no, I want this on right now and not mm-hmm. this. Thing. Right. We, we can mix everything in. And it's, it's interesting because there's also different needs that are accomplished by those different tools. Uh, because we're doing a big conference coming up in January that's all remote. And we have several different levels of production. You know, there's like the keynote level. There's the less than keynote kind of normal talk. And then there's like the significantly less than all those with like 20 or 30 other people who are doing small things. And so we're designing little packages so that we can still produce high quality enough for each of those levels within uh, a certain budget, but there's also zoom elements as well. So there's pre-produced, pre-produced content that's going to go live that will be streamed. And then there's interactive content. That's all going to be zoom. And what you're talking about too, in zoom, there's a couple of different ways to do it. You can do a webinar, which I produced last night for um, Madison media professionals. And in the webinar, we've done maybe three or four of these, um, They've been very fun because it's a small knit group. You know, we probably get like 40 or so registrants and then maybe 25 or 30 people show up. But what we'll do at the beginning is we'll start a webinar. And that means only the hosts or the presenters will appear and you can hear them. Everyone else is an attendee, but I make all the attendees uh, presenters. So then we're, you know, all on screen and we can just have a little conversation like, hey, how's it going? Ha ha, nice hair, whatever. So we were trying to get some of that networking back in and then at a certain time we cut it off and I move all the presenters back to attendees and then I have the three or four presenters and I'm the one who's switching the screen. So I can still do that through Zoom, which has been really fun. And the reason we're using Zoom is because we'll also pull people in. So an attendee has a question, we'll pull them into the live stream because we're trying to mimic what we did in person where... You know, John raises his hand and he's sitting there and we say, yeah, yeah, what's your question, John? And everyone hears John's question. John has a follow-up and we can get that with Zoom. We can't quite do that here because people would have to join in. We have to send them a link and do it very differently. So it's it kind of gets back to that right tool for the right job. And I think we were going to say... Go ahead. I thought you were going to say, yeah, yeah, we see your hand, John. Um, let's let somebody else uh, raise their hand. On to the next person, please. Now, this brings up a great point. I think just to go back to like the beginning, beginning is uh, to steal a stupid line, but, uh, you know, failing to plan is planning to fail kind of thing. You think about what you're going to go live with. Yes, think about it from your audience's perspective. Think about what's going to be of value to them, but also think about what tool should I use and when should I use it? And and actually you can lay out a little chart at about this time we need to do that, you know, something that's going to visually remind you 
that you need to be using your technology at different pieces in different ways. Cause it's easy. Once you get started, you get wrapped up, you just kind of freeze in your one position and what you're doing um, because you get stuck in your own thought and you don't want to lose your train of thought. So you stop the production side of it. So either practice, 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 plan, 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 or look at, uh, you know, some people like the talented individuals at backflip to uh, give you a helping hand when needed. Something fun that's happening too. I don't know if you guys are experiencing it, but my, um, my video is kind of glitching. Carolyn sent me a text. She's like, Hey, your video is glitching. I don't know if you guys are experiencing that, but even on my side, so I can see network connection here. My network connection, it says is three out of 10, even though I have crazy download and upload speed here at the office. It's not great. John has a 10 out of 10. Brent has a 10 out of 10. So there's a possibility here that the experience that people are having is that I'm glitching and freezing and others are not. And, you know, that's, that's part and parcel with this live streaming in that there's so much technology involved that something can just go wrong. And I just sent the chat a message to be like, Hey, here's what's going on. But hopefully, you know, we can still get through this with me freezing and the experience of everyone hearing you is enough that no one leaves. And, you know, we're still answering questions well and, and keep everyone engaged. Yeah. We've yeah. Been, uh, it happens we've to the best of us, you know, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are or how great your equipment is. There's still going to be those things that pop up, you know, we've been watching you freeze. Uh, your, yeah. your audio is fine. Yeah. Okay. It's just the, the video, like, can't keep up every now and then so oh i wonder yeah i put the stream at 1920 by 1080 maybe that's screwing it up i don't know Could i try to do fancy things or the, like 75 browsers you probably have open on your computer like most people that <laughs> yeah. well and it's telling me that my network connection is three out of ten so it could be the network in which case we got to get a better network guy apparently is that Luke? Right. Is it no, Luke? it's, it kind of it's come down me. To oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I can make fun of me. Ah. So I want to continue with that question because it's it, it kind of falls in line with a lot of things you do with your marketing and social media. But with video, is it any different? And that's, you know, popular times for events. I'm assuming it's probably more of a question on time of day and not time of year. But uh, maybe reflect or opine on both. Yeah, John, you go. Um, Boom. You know, there, we're still learning this. Because um, we do, like, our specialty is video production, web graphics. In terms of, like, you know, the, the science of, like, when people are the most engaged, um, there's probably other people that are more qualified to answer those questions. But I, I mean, that's what we're just trying to shoot for is trying to think about when might people be available to, you know, jump on and, and participate in something. So this, that's why our happy hour is at noon on a Friday and not at four or 5 PM on, you know, a happy hour time because the people don't want to be sitting at a computer watching something 
at that time. They want to go home or they want to go out with friends and go to happy hour. So, um, but the, I mean, some of the events that are taking place right now, some of the uh, things that have gone virtual and gone digital have been in a typical evening slot. And I've seen, I've actually been really surprised by the amount of success. I think, you know, when people know that an event is happening, um, there it is. You know, there and, and maybe maybe that's what it is, is like I'm committed to this organization and I know they're having their event um this evening. And so I put that on my calendar and I attend it just like I would attend any other thing. Whereas like this, where we're trying to have an ongoing um weekly, you know, live stream, we're trying to put it in a in a space where we think people will show up to it because even in my life, like I'm not going to commit to one evening out of the week, every week to, to watch something like this. You know, I've got too many other things going on, but I'll attend a digital event or a, a virtual benefit gala, you know, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's my opinion on it is timing is like everything else. You, you hit it on the head first is this something that's normally scheduled Then keep it during this normally scheduled time. Uh, if it's something that's kind of one off or something special, all we ever tell people is give everybody enough notice over communicate. There's, there's no such thing as, is just informing. You're not trying to beat it down their head, but just if you have their email address, send an email, let them know you're doing it. Your social media channels, however it is, let people know, Hey, and guess what? If you can't come live, you can always watch it again when you are convenient, uh, when it is convenient for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could always add more, but we're kind of at one thirty right now. I'd love to maybe rip through a couple questions. Rip them. Well, we've got a little. There's some overlap, so I think I think we're doing well because I, I looked at some of them as well. Um, I think we're doing well too. I, I think we're hitting a lot of points. <laughs> Except like, for my video, which I can't troubleshoot. He, like TC's question, you know, he he had asked about um, the stage, yeah. he asked about stage performances, and Anthony yeah. Wood kind of yep. you know, his questions covered that. I love the idea though of doing live. Re- you guys take this opportunity to do things on camera and live that you normally would have been done behind the scenes. You know, bring people into your world, into your process, into mm-hmm. what you're doing. I love like live table reads, that kind of stuff that people normally wouldn't have access to or see. Um, yeah. There's some cool opportunities for you to very easily share. And, and if people are involved in your process, they're going to be more involved and committed to you, your brand, your company, whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally down with live table reads because that's it's interesting content that people want. D&D games, yes. And TC, you invite me to that game. I will play. I might even produce the video. I'd restream like this, but I definitely want to play. I, I watch live D&D stuff, so I'm super nerdy. How, do you think it's more beneficial to have? And these are from uh, some kind of internal questions that we had all thought of as well uh, from Emily and Hannah. But uh, beneficial to have... Uh, your event on a single day or spread it out over several days? Any thoughts or advice on that? That's a really good question because I've 
not gone to stuff because it's been multi-day. You know, there's, I can't remember. There's a new event that was like two weeks. And I was like, wow, that'll, that'd be really hard to do. That'd be really hard to go to a two week event. Cause even conferences are maybe like three days. Um, and now with every, everything being so remote, it's like, yeah, I'll sign up. Like I just signed up for Adobe max, which is multi-day. And there's like hundreds maybe, or, or at the very least high dozens of sessions. And I started registering and I spent like 10 minutes marking things on my calendar. And I'm like, oh, this is too much. I, I can't add more things to my calendar. You know, whereas with your there, when you're there, you just pull out your schedule and you walk over to something. So I would love to have that experience in some way. Otherwise, like, give me a day and I feel like I could give a day to something. But if I'm asked to give multi days, it's really hard to do. Now that said, I've never paid for any conference live yet. I've only gone to free conferences live and that free versus paid. There's definitely more, you know, buy in want, want when you pay money and you're going to go to it, you're going to set side, set time aside and not schedule meetings. So I haven't done that yet. Yeah. I, I had a discussion about this earlier today and I don't know why there's this idea that because we're not there in person, that it shouldn't be one day and we should just put all the content up and spread it out over the course of a week or a couple of weeks. That's what I'm hearing from, from a few different places. Um, to me, I'm like, no, I, I like the whole point of it was that I can commit a day I can blow up a day in my calendar to participate in this thing, but it's like, it's just like um, multitasking and, and context switching articles for like business productivity. Like, do I want to take like a, uh, an hour or a couple hours out of multiple days across the course of a week where I'm going to keep bouncing back into this thing? No, that sounds like a disaster. Well, for me, I mean, it's just kind of the way that I, I need to like stay in the zone on something and then change. And if I'm got to keep, oh, I got to check in for that next thing today. I'm just not going to get much out of it. And I'm not going to, it's going to kind of mess up more than one day. Um, it comes back to knowing your audience, right? Like we had talked about before, know who's going to be, te- at least to the best of your ability. And then that will give you an idea of what they're looking for. Are they more looking for, you know, one day cram, you know, jam full or something spread out like every evening from seven to nine. Yeah. Know that once you know your audience. Well, and then it's, yeah. yeah, it's like, what, what is it that you're trying to do as well? Like, what are you trying to achieve with this thing? Um, I, Cause there is, I do understand that there's a difference between the amount of time that we can handle sitting here in front of the computer and doing this versus like being at an event. Um, That said, the most successful digital events are still approaching them with that same mindset. What do I do at a usual event? I don't sit in one location and listen to one speaker for eight hours straight. I do this thing and then I have another activity to do and then I get up and I go get some lunch or whatever. And even if you're digital and you're missing out on those like in-person networking opportunities, 
maybe you can still schedule a day like that and have your attendees like tell them what time to like stop and go get lunch or something, you know, like I think that probably makes for a better experience yeah. for the one well, day. And when you're at a conference, you're at the conference, but you're also checking back in at home and email and work, right? When we're at work, I feel like I'm just checking in on the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so maybe that's how, maybe that's something we need to consider when we're doing these even single day events, but certainly the multi-day events um, is to encourage people like get out of your office, go somewhere new, get away from distraction so that you can actually, you know, watch and participate in a similar way. I like that idea. I really do. Um, all right, I'm going to jump back and forth here a little bit. Um, one that I, I love this question myself is, uh, can you still offer sponsors at a virtual event? Or what can you offer sponsors? So not only can you have sponsors at a virtual event, but what can you offer the sponsors where they normally would have gotten that face-to-face interaction and, and uh, hand-holding with, with real people? I... I have so much here that I could go into. Um, I'm trying to think about how to like sum up this thought. Years ago, I talked to a guy. This is like before, like before Hulu was a thing, and or as it was just getting started, and people were just starting to put like commercials into um, into programming like that. we were talking about that and he was like, well, how do you, you know, how do you sell that? How do you pitch that? And my opinion was that is more valuable than any other thing that you could give them. If, if I'm at a virtual conference and I have a sponsor come up on screen, I've got a person sitting like fingertips away from clicking a link to a sponsor. Like you talk about like a sales funnel you are right there so I totally think that you can offer a lot to sponsors because you're you're sitting there participating in the thing versus live. Yeah, I get that face-to-face interaction, but I still have to get people to get out their phone and type in an address and like go to something versus like this is a click. You know, I can have it come up on screen depending on the tool, the platform you're using and click right away. So sponsors, yes, totally. Yes. So still can have sponsors and really the value to the sponsors is the same or better than what it would have been at a live event. I think so. I I would agree. Yep. All right. Um, talk a little bit. We, we talked, I remember you guys talking about it last week and we've talked about it a little bit here, but just the, the benefit of having live video instead of pre-recorded and or the difference between the two and how to use them together or keep them separate. Yeah. Um, I'll just jump in again. I think Ryan just, you know, he just threw it on the ground. He's out. Um, (laughs) Later guys. uh, So we we're using kind of a combination and some of the conferences and things that we're doing with our clients where we're saying, well, Hey, because you're doing this virtually, because you're doing it on a digital platform, we can pre-record the uh, the keynote um, or or some of the main talks, and then you can really like 
dress those up, re, you know, pre record them, do what you need to do and make them really good. But then when you have your like breakout and your kind of round table or your discussions, open questions, you definitely want those to be live. So that's kind of how we've been breaking that up. I mean, you can go live with everything, but it actually does, does make it a little bit easier in some instances to do the, those keynotes pre-recorded. Um, yeah. But you still premiere them live. Yes. You, yeah. Right. You still run them live just like uh, you normally would. I like it. Yeah. I'm like back. It. Couple I, other, yeah. We thought maybe you just left. We're like, I oh, took a little little bathroom break. Yeah. Now that we're at an hour and a half, and I drank so many of these carbs. We've got a we've got a few more that I want to get through because I think they're interesting and or important or both. Is uh, what kind of risk is involved in doing a live event? What kind of risk is involved in doing a live event? Financial risk or risk? Is there anything you need to think of legal wise when you do a live event? Is there? I mean, certainly, yeah, uh, different different things for different organizations. But for instance, um, next week, Friday, we're going to have Charlie on EV Land premieres. We're so excited to be able to talk about that. We weren't able to talk about it until the 15th when their marketing efforts went out. We're super stoked. Um, also, just because we're, you know, we have such a great relationship, they've asked that any information requests, you know, uh, any reporters or anything like that that comes in, that we refer them to their uh, their team. So part of that is making sure that one, we don't give anything away before the premiere of that content. You know, the other thing is like, we don't want to say anything that puts us or them in an awkward situation about the project, right? Because the whole point is to reach out and to engage and to do good work with it. Um, and those are, those are two important things that we need to think about. And we're marketing this over the next several weeks. And... I'm going to be jumping on live occasionally when they post things just to talk about it and share some behind the scenes things. And so with that specific instance, we just have to be aware of what is out there, what we can share and make sure that it's safe information to share. It's not that hard because, you know, important information like budget, like we've never had a client on and like, okay, how much does everything cost? Because everything is so dependent on the client and the arrangement and what you're doing, you know, um, and the scope of it. And without having, you know, multi-hour conversations about a budget, it can be very hard to talk about budget. So that's like one of those things you don't want to talk about. Um, and then the other thing, you know, if, someone were to come on and say, Hey, what's uh, like a, if a reporter came onto the stream and, and ask something direct, we could refer them. That's kind of what we know we need to do. Or if it's just related to us in production, I would be comfortable sharing a little bit of information, but that's, that's the consideration that we have with going live and talking about this one specific project. Yeah. And there's, and I was going to bring up and I'm glad Carolyn actually brought it up as well. You know, if you're going live you're going to have music in the background, uh, 
all the streaming platforms, you still have to be careful with copyrighted music. Um, or right in the middle of your, your going live, YouTube could just be like, hey, guess what? You know, because they, yeah. it's all AI that's monitoring that. So they can shut you down immediately. So it, it is something to keep in mind. Those other things you have the right. Even if you've purchased the right, like we've had videos flagged because of music, even though we have the license for it. And that was something we considered. So the International Crane Foundation stream, we were going to have music. <clears throat> but then when we started talking about it, it was like, well, here's a here's a Spotify playlist. And I was like, oh, I can't do Spotify. I can do um, Creative Commons or, you know, I there's a bunch of lists. You might not be able to get very specific with the type of music you can play, but you can still play music, but you will get shut down if you play copyright music, even if you have a license in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other things like that that you may want to use that you should keep in mind before you're planning on using them? I mean, any, any copyright video clips or audio, they got algorithms scanning it and they will shut you down. They shut down popular channels too, even though it falls under um, fair use. Fair yeah. use is not a, like, I can do whatever I want. Fair use is a defense in court. So if somebody ended up suing you, you could use fair use in court. But months earlier or years earlier, they just shut down your stream and shut down your channel. Like, yeah. you know, that's not related, but side tab. Is there, isn't there like a general rule? Like you can use six seconds or something like that of, let's say a video clip to, no. If you're going to be making a comment or talking about something regarding it, it's yes or no. It, yeah, it, it's <laughs> basically. I don't. I think these came about because people were just kind of like, "Well, it, nobody cares that much if it's real short." But like, um, we went through a, a documentary that is actually being distributed globally, um, and we we worked with a media lawyer. And it's basically you can't use anything that you don't own, you know, like it's just you, you can use them for parody or satire. So that's like one of the clearest instances of being able to use things for fair use uh, or that or like journalism. So like if you're reporting on something, um, showing a small clip for the sake of talking about it or having some commentary about it. Someone can still say, I don't want you to use that. And then you still kind of have to follow that. Um, you probably have a good defense against it if you want to defend it. You've been um, shut down and your defense will come in court over, you know, when you hire a lawyer yeah, for thousands yeah. of dollars. But, but you, it, people just don't, they're not used to this. I was going to say with the, the live stream thing, all that live streaming does is just reveals this a little bit more. Because actually, it's not legal to play other music at your in-person live event either, mm -hmm. like to like, to the full extent. If you if you really want to, like, if somebody wanted to, like, you know, cause a problem, they could. Like, you're supposed to have copyright, you know, permission for everything that you do. Like, if you're playing music in church on your own instrument, you're supposed to have copyright permission to perform that thing in front of this audience. So I think a lot of people don't know that because we just, we're used to like going to 
parties or big events and there's some music in the background it's all like in it it's 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 just more exposed when you like stream it online and then you have you know ai uh tools finding things and saying oh you can't use this so all right and to try to honor the the time frame here as we're trying to wrap up but one last question that kind of goes together i'm going to put them together anyway um I know I, when I go to events, everybody always looks forward to some cool swag, right? You're always going to get a little bag full of goodies. Um, but then also in relation to budget. So talk about how do you still get attendees some of the cool swag they wanted? Or do you change it to maybe some digital coupons or something else they can use to customize and get their own? And do you change if you normally have a $50,000 budget for your live event or a $5,000 budget for your live event? Do you incorporate that same amount of money for doing your virtual event or can you drastically shrink your budget or yeah well and we have experience with two um groups who are doing you know one's a big conference the other one carolyn we talked about last week um hang on the chat's trying to tell me how to fix my uh video issue um so those are the two examples that we have those are upcoming events but I'm super convinced that it's still going to be great and it's going to work really, really well. So we can talk a little bit about those specific events. The first one, Carolyn's event with St. Ambrose Academy, the gala dinner, the benefit dinner turning into an online event. Why live was the question that we asked ourselves constantly. And the reason is to create just this momentum that people come to and they jump onto the event. Um, and that's going to get a greater engagement than something passive where somebody just, okay, watch this at your leisure and then decide to interact and, and donate. So we're doing this event and we're creating this box that goes to everyone. And within that box, you get wine, you get a charcuterie board from uh, Heritage Tavern, just super high quality stuff. The, the wine, I believe, is donated um, and it's Wallersheim wine. So you're getting some just really high quality local stuff that it's, it's essentially like that idea of like, what businesses do you want to be around when hopefully this, this pandemic stuff is over and it's getting those people on board and doing something unique for the viewers. So putting something together, having envelopes in there that have game pieces or game elements that are open during the live stream. And that people interact the live stream by sending content into us. And then we judge them and post the best pictures. Or I think one is a, oh, I almost said something. I don't know if I can give that away. Another <laughs> thing is interactive that, <clears throat> you know, there's a quantitative assessment on because judgment, it sounds like a bad word, but there's a quantitative assessment. And we say, here's our winner. And we can do that live. And so you have to sign up. You have to, you know, pay your fee, you get the box, you get food, drink, games, pieces that interact uh, and transform the experience as you're having it. So I think I think this is unique. I don't know anyone who's doing anything like that. Super special. I'm super excited about it. Obviously invested, you know, from a backflip perspective, but like I'm super invested from a personal perspective because I want all events to be like this. Right. I think this is an amazing thing. And this can relate back to the engagement part too. You want to keep people engaged throughout the event. Uh, this is a way to do it. Give them the things to engage with you and not just 
listening to your voice, you know. Oh, and Carolyn says here, let me post it. I can say it. So th- there's going to be a quiz in the box. And they always do this like it's like, are you smarter than a third grader? It's uh, are you smarter than an Ambrosian? Um, and the answer is no, I'm not smarter than an Ambrosian. <laughs> yeah. But the quiz is awesome and just helps you understand the quality of education at this school. So not only is it fun and engaging, it helps to communicate that just high level of education. So it's got those yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I, I think it's similar to one of the other topics where it's like, what would you do for the in-person event? And obviously it's going to be different because it's not in person, but you, you can't just like, if you're trying to have the same kind of, uh, experience and you know if you're like selling tickets because a lot of these are like selling there's like there's a cost to them there's a couple of philosophies there's like there's some groups that are just like okay we've got to go digital and online so it's just going to be free Mm -hmm. and then there's some that are like well how do we provide value because we're online and we can't have the the in-person aspect um if you just make it free, unless you've got like, you know, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Just vault full of money that you can just throw away. Then how are you going to run your event? Like that's not, it wasn't designed to run that way. You know, it was based on people attending and, and paying something. So that, that's a challenge. So then if you're going to charge for your event, you need to think creatively about, well, at the event, we were going to have X, Y, and Z. So we need to somehow, like, we have the mail. Like, it's not that hard to make these things happen. I think it just requires, like, a little thinking, thinking outside the box, thinking, how do I get my attendees their stuff ahead of time? I've got to, like, plan the schedule a little differently. You know, but you don't have a venue cost. Like, so you're not having to book a space and probably don't have to hire a bunch of like wait staff to like serve food and things. So just move those things. It's going to be different, but you can still have a good experience. So you're kind of recommending if you, if you had a budget of X amount of dollars, start with that same budget and, and yeah, maybe there'll be some savings along the road, maybe not, but mm-hmm. the outcome is we want the best result for the actual event, not this- where to Another aspect of it is I think people have a fear and, and it's not unfounded because anytime something's new, there's a little bit of risk that you might not get the same kind of uh, turnout or attention, but there's fear that um, I'm not going to collect my ticket sales. So I won't be able to cover the cost of the event in the same way that I would have before. But the opportunity to look at is you're taking it online. And if the venue you used to be in was capped at 200, 300 people or something, um, your online event has a potential audience size of 1,000, 1,500, 3,000 people, you know, like a reach that you did not have in person. That's why some things take place only online and they don't have in, you know, even outside of COVID times and whatever. 
like you have a reach that goes far beyond what you had in your physical space. So if you have to maybe change your ticket pricing uh, or find ways to provide, you know, more value to the people that are signing up online so that they have an experience when they're at home. But there's a great opportunity as well that I think people need to need to think about. And it's a little scary because it's new, but it can be really good. Well, and I want to be direct too with just that idea of budget, you know, uh, you, you, what you don't want to do is say, oh, we're going live. We're just, you know, we're not doing it in the same way. So we're going to save a ton of budget. That's not a good place to start from. Start from what was our budget last year? We're going to start there. It could be more expensive because we have additional technology that we don't need. You know, um, a $30,000 event is very different than a $200,000 event. So on the high end, there might be more uh, budget that you can save. On the low end, there's potential that it could be more expensive, sure. you know, because your venue is going to cost something, but you're not spending, you know, 15 to $30 a plate if you're not doing plates. Um, but if you're going to do something that you're sending home, you're still going to need to spend some money to send something home. So, you know, you definitely want to keep that budget at least the same and consider that if you're on the lower end of that spectrum, it might be more expensive. But like John just said, you have a reach possibility of, you know, uh, a factor of, you know, two, two, um, whatever, hundred percent, thousand percent more instead of just 250,000 people in the area, you have, 350 million, you know, in the U S who could attend or the world, you know, 7 billion. Right. So your reach is endless. You have no excuse. I like it. I like it. All right. That is a good summary of the questions that we got asked. If we did miss a question from somebody, I apologize. It's on me. These guys did great. I was in charge of the questions. You're being too hard on yourself. It was probably John's fault. Yep. I like it. We can take it. We can take it. (laughs) bear with me bear with me all right (laughs) normally we'll do we'll do the old uh two questions and an answer but we'll have you back on two questions and a lie excuse me two truths and a lie lie. we'll get there guys there's chinese over there i haven't eaten it (laughs) this is the best part of improv too like we should come up with a new game called two questions and an answer Um, you have to come up with one answer that answers both questions. I did have one clarification because I'm chatting with Restream chat right now. Um, I thought everything was happening in the cloud. It's actually happening on my computer. So um, your video is streaming to my computer and it's being mixed here. And I think that's why my video keeps glitching because I'm also processing the video and uh-huh. sending it back to the cloud. So I was mistaken on that. Um, my computer is still super beefy, so I'm going to troubleshoot with them how to fix this later. But, uh, yeah, you learn something new every day. Even though, you know, that's the best part and the most frustrating part of doing all of this. Yeah. Uh, but be open to the experience and then roll bear with me and we'll, we'll get it done. But thank you guys very much for having me on and and, uh, contributing in in whatever small way I did. I think this has been a a tremendously helpful, just knowing the questions that we get asked and and I hear out and about and uh, 
building off of what you did last week with Caroline, I think is, is absolutely fantastic. So. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and putting up with nonsense for two hours. It's the way it goes. That's the yeah. best kind of sense. And hopefully, hopefully we provided some good content out there uh, and, and some good answers. If you have more questions, please do post below. We're, we're monitoring. We're watching that. We're happy to even just text more uh, answers. Maybe we'll do another one of these live. And next week, we get to talk with Charlie. Super excited about that. We get to show EV Land on the stream because it premieres um, over on Genre 2030. So go there genre2030.com, sign up, bookmark it, watch all the films there, take a look, do all the things. We're super excited. So tune in next week. Same bad time, same bad place. Thanks. That trailer has me excited. I, I'm cool. excited to see it. It's going to be great. So thanks, Brent, for joining us. Thanks, John, as always, especially in this special baby time. Yeah. Although no pictures, no baby on camera. little disappointed. I mean, it's true. wow. It's like TV gold. <laughs> the baby's really busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> she, she has new meetings to attend. Mm. All right. That's it. Thanks, right. everyone, for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. That's what we got for the week. Thanks for tuning in. You know what to do. Do all the things. Like, subscribe, hit the bell. I don't know. There's probably not a bell on the podcast. We are wherever your podcasts are sold. So if you're not, you can subscribe to us. If you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe to us in Google Apps, Spotify, Apple Play, Google Hat, Playface, Michael Turner, uh, Spotify, and App Store. So all the places. Um, did I get that right? Is that are those the correct ones? Yeah, Google Play, Apple App Store, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry. We're all over the place. We're in every app um, that you want us to be in. So do the things. If you want, give us a review that helps other people to discover the podcast. And you can let us know what you want to hear. If there's anything different you'd like us to talk about, do that. These are all the old episodes. We're let's see. I got the page up right here. So we've got another 10 episodes from 2020. Then we've got, oh boy, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 20, one, two, three, four, five, six, 26. Um, so maybe, was that 36? 36 more episodes of old content before we can start getting to the newer content from this year. So that'll be great. Really great stuff. That's why we wanted to post it. So keep an eye out for that. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ryan. We'll see you next time.